0: Friday, we went down to Fort Benning, Georgia, and uh, my nephew Samuel Walker Sheffield he graduated and became an Army infantryman. He went through six months of boot camp, and uh, Chad has done that at that same Fort Benning, and uh, but that was like a hundred years ago, but it was still there. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was back before they had guns and stuff. They were shooting each other with paper wads and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. You know, sometimes it's easy to, to uh, think, you know, America's in trouble. You know, our youth, uh, they don't understand anything. But I was very impressed with the youth that were there. God and country, honor, integrity. Young men really willing to lay down their lives for you, for the freedoms that we enjoy. They took it so seriously. It's not, it's not a joke. The little ceremony that they put on, you could tell that those men, those young men were ready to give their lives. They believed in the cause of freedom. So it was, it was very encouraging to me that we have a battle-ready force. We have young men that will stand up for us so that we can continue to have our church services, so that we can continue to go to our jobs and have fast food to eat and stuff like that. These men are uh, watching over us. And isn't that sort of like what we are in in the spiritual realm? It says that we're soldiers in Jesus' army. And though they may watch over us physically, and God ordains that, God God ordains the government to watch over us and protect us from wicked people. But he ordains us, the church, to watch over people spiritually, to be watchmen on the wall, to be a battle-ready force for the time in which we live. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Verse 11, got any soldiers in here? In Jesus' army? Yeah. You know, when, when they asked, when they during the ceremony, when they came to a certain point, those guys, they shouted. And you could tell they meant it. I wish the church would get a little shout in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope that's scared, enough to scare the enemy. I don't know. Woohoo! <clears throat> yeah, we're serious, devil. Woohoo! Now, <laughs> Luke chapter eight, verse eleven. Now, before we read, let me give you some context. Jesus has just given the parable of the sower. He just spoke to a large crowd, and that's the parable where he says, you know the. The sower sows the seed. The farmer comes along, sows seed. Some falls on the path, and the, the birds come and eat it up. And Some falls on the shallow soil. It springs up for a minute, but the sun you know, gets right up. Some falls in the, the thorn bushes over there and gets choked out by other weeds and stuff. But some falls in good ground. And, and you say, well, why is this important? Well, Jesus says it's very important. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables. So it's vital that we understand what he's talking about, where this seed is falling. What is this seed? Well, when they get back, you know, after the the service that they had with the, the multitudes, the disciples asked him to explain, and he did. Right here in verse 11, Jesus said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Now, you know, the Bible says that everything that God does is seed, time, and harvest, Now, this tells you the importance of the Word of God right here. He said the seed is the Word of God. And the seed that fell along the path are those who heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. I've been there before. I think I've been through all of these at one time or another, these four different souls. And, And there were times people... Spread the seed of God's word to me and I didn't, bah, the devil just swooped in and took the seed out of my heart. Why? Because I loved darkness rather than light at that time in my life. So, since we're talking about endurance, did the, the first soul, the, the ones that, that are the path, the hard ground, you think they're going to endure to the end? Since we're talking about endurance, did they endure at this point in their life? They don't show much signs of endurance. Verse 13 says, The seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, they welcome the word with joy. (laughs) It's joyful news. But having no root, these believe for a while, and then they depart in a time of testing. You know? They they get excited about the things of God, but then you know, of course, their job is going to offer them a new position where they got to work every Sunday from now on. You know, there's gonna be some test or are you gonna remain faithful? And then they fall away. So did they endure? Come on, help me. I mean. All right. So they didn't endure. And then in verse 14, it says. And for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, they go on their way, and they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life, and they produce no mature fruit. Did they endure? Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. They could have endured, but they produced no fruit in their endurance. It doesn't say that they fell away. It just they got bogged down with other things in life. You know, the pursuit of fame or money or you know, just storing up stuff. You know, the pursu- pursuit of stuff. You know, you know. I want to go to church, I want to be involved in God, building God's kingdom, I want to produce fruit, but I really just want to enjoy the things of this life more. And so they were choked out. You, you know, you got to come out from among them, the Bible says. you got to come out from the things that choke the word of God out of you, that choke the things of God away from you. And you got to be separate so that you can produce mature fruit. Verse 15 says, but the seed in the good ground, and I believe that's you. These are the ones who haven't heard the word with an honest and a good heart. Hold on to it by how? Enduring. They hold on to the word because they are intent on enduring. Enduring. They're the ones that are going to show up for every message in this series because they want to know how to endure to the end. They don't want to get sidetracked. They don't want to lose their way and, and soften this love for Jesus. They don't want to grow cold and lukewarm. They don't want the devil to come in and steal God's plan for their life. They want to be able to stand the test that are coming to the Christians. And so they, they, they cultivate an honest and a good heart. And by enduring, they bear fruit. So maybe you could endure till the end and be like the, the scripture that says in the Bible that they made it to heaven but just as by fire you know they come you know they've been living like the world but they jesus is their lord but they they barely made it to heaven but they just came in as if by fire there's there's clothes are still smelling like the world they're singed with the things of this world and they produce no fruit in their life their children are still back on the earth don't know about jesus aren't living for the Lord. They haven't produced any fruit. They bring no crowns with them to heaven. But us, because we insist on having an honest and a pure heart, we insist on enduring till the end. We can't help but bear fruit. Do you know seed time and harvest remain? And when you put the seed in, if it's good seed and it goes into good soil, what naturally happens? You produce mature fruit. And you hear in the end, well done, that good and faithful servant. But you see, only 25% of the people in this parable actually endure and bear fruit. So let me ask you we've been talking about how to endure. When we talk about biblical endurance, are we just talking about, well, we made it? Just, can, if I can just get to the end. How many Christians have you heard of the, yeah, I don't go to church. I don't serve the Lord anymore. I'm just waiting till he comes back. I'm, you know, I just got my eyes on heaven. I'm just waiting for that day. They're just living for, for that day, but not living for that day. Is it enough just to be standing in the end? Or is there such a thing as biblical endurance? What is biblical endurance? I'm glad you asked. I looked it up and and found a definition that says, finishing the race without compromise or wavering. You see, we're adding a new level to the series right now. We're not just going to endure, but we're going to overcome. We're going to have fruit. We're going to have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. There's two Hebrew words that make up the Hebrew expression endurance. Koach, which means strength, and Savel, which means to bear or suffer burdens. So you put those two together, it really means the strength to suffer or to carry a burden. That's what biblical endurance is. And Jesus said, we will suffer. He said, all who live for godly will suffer persecution. So, what burden has Jesus shared with us? We know His burden is easy, right? His load is light. What burden has Christ shared with us other than to, to build His kingdom and to share His good news? That's what Jesus wants from us. Is to build his kingdom. Not survive, but overcome. Not just hold our own, but forcefully advance the kingdom of God. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure. Say endure. Ain't that what we're talking about? How many of you feel like This is rough stuff. Enduring. Sometimes I just feel like, man, it would just be easier to go back to Egypt. Some people came into Christianity thinking this is the easy road. It's not. But then I think, where would I be without Jesus? I mean, I could go back to some things were easier. But then I forgot all about the wages of sin and how that was going to get me in, you know, those wages were due. I had a debt I couldn't pay. Thank goodness for Jesus. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I know we lose sight of that sometimes. We think, nobody sees what I'm doing. I mean... I clean the church and then next month when it's my time it needs cleaning again. I'm back there with the children. Nobody tells me thank you. I go to the jail and I pour out my heart and I see all this happen and nobody knows about it. You It seems like Is it worth it? It would just be easier to sit on the couch and eat bonbons and watch TV. Why do I keep doing what I do? Why do I I have this impulse, this desire to to do something for God? Is it doing anything in me? Well, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whether, Whether I or anybody else ever bring you to the treasure box and give you a a cookie. Y'all know I do a treasure box and every now and then I ain't done it in a while. Whether I tell you thank you or anybody tells you thank you, God keeps good records. And it's paying good dividends. I tell you, if you invest in the kingdom of God, that is the wisest investment you will ever make because it pays eternal dividends. You can invest and gain the whole world and lose your own soul and what have you gained? But you give a cup of cold water to one of his little children and God's written it down in the book of life. And man, you you will be reaping rewards for that for the rest of your life. Don't live for the praise of men. Don't live to be in for this temporary thing we call earth don't put you don't build houses and barns down here be like abraham we're just sojourners in this land we're just passing through but we live by faith your labor in the lord is not in vain my dear friends whether it seems like it here or not. Because we don't look to the things which we can see, but to the things which are not seen, which are eternal in the heavens. You know, another reason why we got to stay steadfast is because it would be easy to say, well, I'm going to drop off for now. I'm going to stop doing what I used to do. I'm just going to enjoy myself for a while. And, you know, sometimes that, that becomes permanent in people's lives. That's a, a danger of that. But another thing is, when we don't fight to build the kingdom of God, if we don't fight for our faith and we don't build the kingdom of God, guess what? The devil comes in and destroys our life. It reminds me of the story of Nehemiah. He had a desire to build, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so, through prayer and God's providence he's given the resources to go and do it to build the things of god and he he inspires others to see the vision and they they unite together and each man begins to build the wall in front of their where they used to live in jerusalem and they built the wall but there was times when it was tough there was times where it was like man does anybody even care about this wall People are over there laughing at They said if a squirrel climbed on top of this wall, it would fall over. They're making fun of us. They're threatening us. There was a time it got so bad that they had had a trowel in one hand, laying bricks and a sword in the other. Laying the bricks under pressure, I'm talking about. At threat of death. Like our brothers and sisters over in Pakistan, having church under the threat of death. Loss of property and life, but yet they build. Yet they stay true to the call. Say, we fight, and we build. Let's turn to Nehemiah. Let's go to chapter six, and let's let's see what happened there. Is anybody encouraged? Chapter 6, verse 1, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall so that no gaps remain. This is Nehemiah speaking. They've already done a good work, but they ain't quite finished. He said, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So he's got the walls completed, but the enemy can still come in through the door, the gates, where the gates are missing, right? So he's almost finished. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them in one of the villages in the plains of Ono. Now see, Sanballat and Tobiah and them, they did not want this wall built. They are the enemies of God. But Nehemiah says, but I realize they were plotting to harm me. Do you know that the devil is plotting to harm you? Do you know he's not just going to sit back and watch you build? He's not going to just sit back and watch you be successful. But Nehemiah said, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. I'm doing big things. I'm doing important things. I'm not coming down off the wall to talk with the enemy. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message. The devil is persistent. He will, he will tempt you and test you like this, and you'll stand strong. No, I'll serve the Lord. I don't do that anymore. I'm not coming down. I've got bigger things in my life. And you're so proud of yourself. And then in a moment of weakness, he comes back. He will keep testing you. And each time Nehemiah said, I gave the same reply, he had a firm resolve. He had lived so that he was producing a good and an honorable heart before the Lord. He wanted to stay good soil. So that's why the little things that we do in our life, our Bible reading, our prayer time, our coming to church, our giving, all the, the witnessing that we do, we wake up in the morning and ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in our life. That is creating in us, keeping in us a good heart so that even in the, in the worst of our times when the devil comes to tempt us, like he did Jesus, when Jesus was hungry, he said, make these stones bread. The man was starving to death, but Jesus, uh-uh. No, oh, I got a bread. I'm the bread of life, buddy. So we gotta we gotta stay true. We got to understand that we can't let our guard down. Do you know how many ministers of God, how many people of God, have earned their character through hard work and determination through years and years, but then went through one season where they let their guard down and the devil snuck in and ruined their reputation, ruined their character, ruined their witness over one incident. We can't do it. We have to stay vigilant. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Samballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. So, he said, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me that it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building a wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there's a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. I'm taddling. I'm telling so I suggest you come and talk it over with me. So now we see that every everything that comes out of the enemy's mouth is a what? A lie. He's telling lies on. You ever had anybody tell lies on you? That hurts, doesn't it? People spreading false rumors about you and messing up your, your uh reputation. As a Christian, that's going to happen. And I see a lot of Christians on. Social media—they just can't take that. They just gonna—they're gonna lash back, you know. And they're just doing their own reputation harm. Listen, don't care, don't worry what the enemy says. Don't worry what the world says. You ain't got to respond to every attack. You just say, "Look, I'm up here building. Get off me, devil! I, I'm doing a great work. I ain't got time to come down and talk with you." Too many Christians responding on these posts and. And tearing each other up. It's a trick of the enemy. Let that stuff go. Let that stuff go. He said, I suggest you come and talk it over with me. What I got to talk with the devil about? What I need to talk to him for? What's he got for me? I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us. Imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. That's our heart. The devil comes to attack me. I just, uh, you just made me mad now, devil. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Delilah, and grandson of Mahathabel, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and both the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. The devil's tricky. Now he's done hired some so-called man of God to lie to him. Sometimes it's easy to understand when the devil's talking, I ain't listening to that. But what when a man of God comes in your life and starts telling you things that ain't godly? Wolves in sheep's clothing, that happens. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of levels of spiritual warfare And if you ain't experiencing any of them, then it's probably because you ain't on the wall building nothing. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin." Then they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done. And remember, Notadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. Look, when you know what you're doing is the Lord's work, if God said it, that settles I don't care what anybody else said. I don't care if it's a man of God, prophet of God, president of the United States. Overruled. I serve the living God. You can't go any higher than that. And you know what? We fight for our nation. We fight for our families. And we fight for our God building the kingdom of God, we fight for our nation. That's what will change America. We can change America, we can change the world. And America needs the kingdom of God. More than anything else. We fight for our families. Fight for our children and our marriages. We fight for our God, who gave himself for us. As a sacrifice. He laid down his life. And we can lay down ours. He died for us that we may live for him. So be encouraged. This is, this is not light stuff. Your call in this world is not a, a small thing. And, and we we fight for the souls of all those who are held captive by the devil. We win souls. That's how we build the kingdom of God. We give hope to the hopeless. We give salvation to the lost. We life to the dead. Sight to the blind. Know you not that you possess the words of eternal life? Yes, you sitting on that pew. You possess the words of eternal life that will rock generations to come. Matthew 11:12, 12, Jesus said, From the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. So there you go in a nutshell. We're forcefully advancing the kingdom of God like we mean it. Like we understand the ramifications of eternity. We're marching forward. Forcefully. And violent people are attacking us. So what? If my God be for us, who can be against us? Who can stand against us if our God be for us? Some of us seem so surprised when the devil pops us in the mouth. Oh, I'm bleeding. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to run. I'm going to go hide. I'm going to cower down. I don't know. No, 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 no. You fight back. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight. We fight in the spiritual realm. I'm serious about this cowering down stuff because we, we have become so... Compromise with the things of the world. We just get used to stuff. Well, it's that time of year. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get sick. Well, you know, I'll never make enough money to pay this off or whatever. I, oh, I can hear my washing machine. I, mine breaks down every year. We just accept everything that happens. When by faith, we should speak a better word. By faith, we should speak a better word. You just gonna lie down and take it? I do often. I just, oh, that's just things. That just always happens. But why does it always happen? Because the devil knows he can get away with it. We'll put our feet down. Say, no, no, devil. uh uh not around here. You know, them curses ain't mine. I don't claim them. I don't claim them curses. Jesus was made a curse for me. He hung on my tree so that I could be set free from the curse of the law. When I look at Deuteronomy 28, I see the blessings. That's what I live in, not the curse. Jesus was made a curse for me. But you know what? That if we accept it, we still have a free will. And if the devil says, here, take a little sickness, disease, take a little poverty, take a little sin, take a little compromise, okay, you pop me in the mouth. We must understand that all authority has been given to us under heaven and earth. That the devil is under our feet. That we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Far above all principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. We have authority over him. When he comes in our garden trying to, to uh, lie to our wife, trying to get us to do things we ought not, we ought to take our place. If Adam would have took his place, there would be no sin in the world. And if you'll take your place and your authority in the things of God, there'll be no sin in your life. If You'll keep your heart pure and honest. Why do you think they believed Satan when he came in saying, well, God really said? They were compromising. They were letting their mind go. They were not fighting. They were not staying. They were not fixed. They were not fixing their eyes on Jesus. Michael Martin says, Visible Christian deeds and perseverance in spite of difficulty give witness to a genuine and enduring faith. You want a better witness in this world? You want somebody to want to know this Jesus that you serve? Then you show them how to endure and persevere in spite of difficulty. You know, the, the voice of the serpent is is always speaking. That's why I, In the armor of faith, we have the shield of faith and quench all those fiery darts. He's always trying to speak. You know, not every voice that you hear is is not God, right? If we walk with God long enough, we'll know his voice and be able to tell if it's him or the devil, right? The voice of the shepherd you hear, but not the voice of a stranger. You know, not everything that comes in your head is of God. You know, not everything that comes of your head is even of you. We must be quick to realize when this is ungodly voices speaking to us. When when he begins to attack your marriage, what's he going to do? He's going to say, well, you know she don't appreciate you like she should. Well, look at him. He's done gained 300 pounds. (laughs) I could get somebody better. Blah, blah, blah. What about your job? Well, you know nobody else is working hard. Why don't you just settle down, man? You're making everybody look bad. Why don't you just do enough to get your paycheck like them? You don't have to do any more than that. What did they do for you? And and talking about your ministry and stuff, what do you have to give? You're not a speaker. You're afraid to speak. Everybody thinks, you know, if you can't speak, you can't be in the ministry or you, you can't do anything for God. What about other, th- other gifts and talents that God has given you? And what about overcoming fear? What about having courage and, and busting through that veil of lies that you can't do it? Some of you could preach so much better than me. <laughs> I'm sure of it. What are we going to do? We're just going to listen to those voices and let the devil control our life when when in reality we've been set free. We're not under the curse of the law. We're not under the curse of sin. We are free. With authority to rule and reign as kings and priests unto our God. That's who we are. We have to see what God has done and what he has made in us and believe and stand on it and stand firm and be diligent. And not lay back when the the, the attacks come. The devil, he should be like Hamas. He should be, he wants to attack bad, but boy, if I do, I know what's going to happen. What? The devil wants to attack, him. but if you'll put him in his place every time he does, his attacks will be a little bit sneakier and far, few and far between. He'll get tired of you. Do you know the Word of God defeats the devil? And you have the Word of God? It belongs to you? You're given authority to speak in his name? And when the devil comes and tells you to make these stones bread, you say, ah, ah. It is written that I shall live by every word from the ma- that proceeds from the mouth of God. When he sets you up on that high mountain and shows you all the kingdoms of the world, says, You could have all this if you'll serve me. He's doing the same temptations to us as he's doing to the world. Sound like the same temptations we saw in the seeds. The different types of soil. The devil's got new, he's got good tricks, but they ain't new. We need to be prepared, and we need to stop his onslaught. We need to be prepared to fight. We need to be a battle-ready force like I saw this this week down in Fort Benning. We need to discipline ourselves and see ourselves as soldiers in the army of Christ. The voice of the enemy should not go unanswered. Don't just listen to it. Certainly don't think on it. Don't roll it around and mull over it. Just answer it. Shut up. Just tell him, you got no place in me, devil. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. A life worth living requires spiritual warfare. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. You understand, in spiritual warfare, your words are everything. If He can get you to speak what He's speaking, then you're defeating yourself. But if you speak what God's speaking, you're defeating the enemy. If we only understood the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. But the tongue only speaks... By what you believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. we got we to cultivate that heart, and we got to speak the right things, and we got to fight. Ephesians 6.10 says the final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. So that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. I'm just going to be honest. You ain't going to defeat the devil in your strength. Your willpower. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to put on the armor of God. What is the whole armor that we're supposed to to see about? What is that? But a spiritual understanding of what you have in God. The whole armor is just understanding who you are. The whole armor is, wait, nope, that's not of God, and that's not who I am because I got my armor on. I know in whom I have believed. I know in who he's made me. I know my rights, my authority in Jesus Christ. So put on God's armor that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He's got strategies, but they don't matter to me. I'm not coming down. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. See, that's where a lot of us get fooled. We start... You know, we start, you know, warring against people in the flesh. That's not the battle. But against evil rulers, authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirit in heavenly places, but therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That sounds like biblical endurance to me. Stand your ground. Good night. Stop backing up for the devil. Stand your crown. Put on the belt of truth and the body, body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes with the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up that shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the enemy. I know what I believe. Shut up. I ain't listening to you. Put on salvation As your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now when you put on the helmet, that's protecting yourself from the wrong voices. It's trying to get in your ears. But when you take up that Spirit, that's giving voice to the Word of God in your life. It's protecting you and it's advancing the kingdom at the same time. It's fighting and it's building. And that's what God's people do. That's our superpower. You know what our superpower is? That we have the voice of faith. We have the voice of faith. We speak God's words that defeat our enemy. And and we do this because we realize that we've been given authority to speak God's word. Could I get the band to come up or whoever's here? Play us a good song. Look, today, I just want us to realize that we can say like David did to Goliath. I come in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies. I am am a soldier for Jesus Christ and I come in His name. I may just have a little sling and a little rock. I may just be a little boy against you, devil. But I will have the victory. I will cut off your head and feed it to the birds of the air. And my people will defeat your people. And we will be given the victory. And I won't be hiding over there behind the rocks, afraid to fight. Because my God has has delivered me from the hand of the lion and from the hand of the bear. He has proven himself to me time and time again. He has come through every time I stood on the rock. He's given me a firm foundation. And though it may not look like it, I am a mighty soldier in God's army and I will defeat you and cut you. I, no, oh, well, did I say I will? Nope. My God will defeat you. You see, we don't come in the name of God. We come in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And we've been given that right because we have placed our trust in Jesus. He's given us a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every tongue confess and every knee shall bow. Bow your knee, devil. Tired of getting whooped by the devil when he has no he all he has is deception only thing the only weapon he has against us is to get us to speak what he speaks to get a, to get us to agree with him and some of us we just get whooped by our own words we've been commissioned to come in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies to speak we have been commissioned to speak a better word over our lives. God is not pleased when you're going through defeat, you're deceived, you're getting whooped. God is not pleased when He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. As uh, Brother Chad plays this song, today as an exercise. Could could we all stand to our feet? I'm sure there's every person in here. Every person can look in their lives and see an area where they're just getting whooped. Whether it's mentally, physically, financially, relationships, your job, there's something, there's an attack going on in your life. There's an area that you're being too passive. The enemy is coming in like a flood and he's he's boosting himself and saying, I'm bigger than you. He's like a big Goliath. Ah, who are you to come to me with sticks and stones? Well, I want you to speak a better word as he plays this song. I want you to take your authority. I want you to call that thing out and I want you to say, it's under the blood of Jesus. It's under the blood of Jesus. I want you to think about it. I want you to, i want you to make i want you to i want you to build yourself up in the most holy faith i want you to ask the holy spirit to fill you so that when you speak it you mean it from your heart and you take authority over that devil in that area of your life you know the tomb spoke to martha the tomb says your your brother lazarus is dead and she came to jesus and said lazarus is dead the devil says lazarus is dead And Jesus didn't deny the facts, but what did he say? Do you believe? Do you believe? And he spoke. And Lazarus came to life. Let's bring some life back into our lives. What do you think? Do you speak with the voice of faith? Do you belong to Jesus?